we often do the wrong thing and we start to complain and whine in prayer and ask God, why me, why me, why me, instead of asking him, what is this for? So recently I've been thinking a lot about retirement. I know that's a long way away, but I've been talking to people who are retired and having conversations with them. And I was trying to think of a, of a joke about retirement or about retired people, but none of them work. Hey everyone, welcome to episode 159. Hope you enjoyed that dad joke. If it's your first time listening, please rate and review this podcast and uh, it helps other people find it. And if you've been listening for a while and you haven't left a rating or review in a while, that also helps. So please do that. Visit our website, manafoodforthought.com or manafft.com. For all of our content, click the subscribe button to sign up for our weekly newsletter, our reflection on the psalm. Uh, Click the give button to become a patron for as little as $1 a month to help support the cost of this podcast and all the ongoing efforts and ways that uh, we're continuing to try to grow this. And as always, the highest compliment you can pay us is to share this podcast with someone else if you think uh, they would enjoy it. If it benefited you, might help them. So please do that. And you can tag us at Mana Food for Thought on Instagram, or you can find all of our social media stuff and contact us on our website. Again, that's manafoodforthought.com. Without further ado, welcome. Let's get into our joy junk and Jesus. So my joy for this week is that uh, my kids, uh, for the first time, are watching Toy Story. <clears throat> now, they have a bunch of, like, books and things, like, from the Disney Pixar universe. They've seen a lot of this stuff. They even My son even has, like, a Buzz Lightyear t-shirt, and they have friends that have, like, Toy Story toys, but they've never seen it. So they've been surrounded by it quite a bit. They know, like, a lot of the characters. And so seeing it like come to life for them and then my son just all he wanted to do today was wear his Buzz Lightyear shirt and play with the one Buzz Lightyear toy that we have and just run around and play Buzz Lightyear like all morning. It was really, really fun. So we're in the midst of watching that movie because we only let them watch like, you know, 30 minutes, you know, of a movie or so at a time. So, um, but yeah, and it's great to rewatch it as an adult because I haven't seen the first Toy Story in like probably like decades. So, um, yeah, that's been awesome. My junk is that I got the worst rug burn on my right knee because I was trying to scare my wife. So it serves me right. We were having this conversation about like whether I can't remember what it was, but it just turned into basically a challenge for me to scare her. And she was expecting it. And so it didn't work. And it was like, my knee hurts so bad as a result. So, uh, I have like gauze on it. It's like, it's so bad. So anyway, that has been my junk. Uh, my Jesus moment from the past week, probably still our parish mission. We had between 550 and 600 people here all three nights. And it was just an incredible outpouring of grace and the Holy Spirit and just encounter with Jesus. And I'm kind of uh, coordinating all of the follow-up efforts from that, uh, particularly uh, things called discipleship quads where people can form these small groups. So um, I'm having that meeting this week. Um, so if you can pray for me in retrospect, as you hear this, it will already have happened, but God is outside of time and our prayers can reach us even in different points in time. So pray for me that that goes well, um, because I really think it would be a force for a huge grace community and, and just radical discipleship at our parish. So yeah, really, really awesome. I can't, uh, recommend highly enough or speak highly enough of the Steubenville Parish Mission Team. 
So if you're interested in bringing that to your parish, um, just look them up. It's it's really awesome. So anyway, let's get into our episode, which always is stemming from our second reading for the upcoming Sunday. And this second reading for this Sunday comes from 1 Peter chapter 2, verses 20 to 25. Uh, so here's Peter writing to the early church. This is what he says. He says, Beloved, if you are patient when you suffer for doing what is good, this is a grace before God. For to this you have been called, because Christ also suffered for you, leaving you an example that you should follow in his footsteps. He committed no sin, and no deceit was found in his mouth. When he was insulted, he returned no insult. When he suffered, he did not threaten. Instead, he handed himself over to the one who judges justly. He himself bore our sins in his body upon the cross, so that, free from sin, we might live for righteousness. By his wounds you have been healed. For you had gone astray like sheep, but you have now returned to the shepherd and guardian of your souls. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Now, last week's second reading was also from First Peter, and I mentioned that Peter is writing to a community that is being heavily persecuted by Rome, um, also by other you know, secular or religious institutions that see Christianity as a threat or as a heresy to Judaism. And so there's a lot of infighting, a lot of division you know, in the world going against uh, this very disempowered band of former Jews, now Christians, trying to spread the good news of Jesus Christ while also risking their lives doing so. And so Peter's trying to encourage them and saying, you know, be patient when you suffer for, for doing what is good, because Christ is the ultimate example of suffering for what is good. And when he suffered, he didn't sin, he didn't have deceit in his mouth, he didn't insult, he didn't threaten, but he did that for us so that we can live in righteousness. And I know I've done episodes on this before, but I think it's just, I really feel it's worth repeating because I, I encounter this so often in conversations with people and in ministry, and I think we just need to hear it over and over and over and over and over again. And that's the fact that just because you are doing all of the right things, quote unquote, spiritually, going to mass, praying daily, being generous, you know, doing works of service and charity does not mean that your life will be easy or comfortable. You will suffer. You will. That is a guarantee. You will suffer. And so the question is not, how do I avoid suffering? But the question should be, how do I suffer well? Because in our culture, we all avoid suffering and discomfort, whether you realize it or not. And there's this increasing social anxiety, this kind of sense of agoraphobia still from the pandemic. Some people are still afraid to go outside. Uh, There's an increasing... Uh, tendency toward things like physician-assisted suicide. People don't want to suffer at the end of their life. They want to control how they die, uh, control the fact that they want to be in as little pain as possible. And so it's clear we live in a world that's very averse to this. Uh, Anything that's hard, anything that's difficult, anything that someone else says or does that we find challenging, instead of facing it or dealing with it, we use words like, oh, I was triggered or I was attacked, you know, or you know, this kind of woke ideology that like everything that we have to say or everything that we do or say has to appease or be, um, what's the word, be palatable by everyone or at least the people who are the loudest. And this, you know, that speaks very much of of kind of a social sense of, you know, not wanting to suffer. But this is, you know, and, and with the end of life stuff, not wanting to physically suffer. But, you know, this is, 
there's all kinds of suffering prevalent in our world. Like ask any counselor or therapist, you know, about the amount of anxiety, worry, disappointment, struggle, confusion, desolation, loneliness, all of those things people are experiencing. And you may yourself currently be experiencing anxiety, depression, worry, disappointment because something didn't work out the way you thought it would, some kind of struggle or difficulty, confusion as to why your life isn't going the way that you thought it would, experiencing some kind of spiritual desolation or just like real loneliness. All of those things can happen to us. And as Christians, we often do the wrong thing and we start to complain and whine in prayer and ask God, why me, why me, why me, instead of asking him, what is this for? What is this for? Who is this for? Are you calling me to suffer for someone to offer this up so I can surrender control over this thing that you want me to let go of? <clears throat> you know, Fulton Sheen is famous for saying, do not waste your suffering. Do not waste your suffering. Suffering can be seen as a gift because it's an inevitable reality for every single human. No matter how much money you have, no matter how much success you have, eventually you will physically suffer and die. And throughout your life, especially as you get older, you will experience the death of other people, the loss uh, of, of other things, the grief at uh, things not working out the way that you thought they did, family members leaving or losing them, people dying, accidents happening, money being lost. All of these different things will happen, and they're more likely to happen the older that you get. So if they haven't happened yet, I guarantee you they will. And as Christians, we really have to be wary of the temptation that the devil is constantly putting before us to see suffering as some kind of um, attack against us, that we have a right to a comfortable and perfect life. No, we don't. We don't because we gave that up when we turned away from God. We gave that up in original sin. And even if original sin you may not think is your fault, you know, we still all sin. There's not a person alive who doesn't sin. And so even if original sin wasn't a reality, There'd be an original sin for each one of our lives when eventually we made that choice to do something wrong, disobey God, do something uh, that we knew was not good or good for us, and doing it anyway. And so, uh, we have no right to a perfect life. But God created us for perfection, for heaven, for himself. And so that is our destiny. So in some sense, when we're craving that, we need to remind ourselves, like, this is my desire for heaven. But I have to recognize heaven is not here yet. There are glimmers of it here, but my life here is going to experience suffering in some way. <clears throat> and so what do I do with that suffering? How do I not waste my suffering? Whatever that suffering may be, if it's anxiety, worry, disappointment, loneliness, if it's physical suffering, illness, disease, death, whatever it might be, we need to be reminded that suffering can be redemptive. Jesus is the prime example of this, that he took all the suffering and sin upon himself to show us that it can be used as a weapon. It can be used as a means of prayer and salvation for others. So just like we offer words of prayer and time in prayer for other people, those things are sacrifices. We don't have unlimited words. We don't have unlimited time. We don't have unlimited you know, ability to pray all the time. And so every time we pray for someone else, it is in some way a sacrifice. And so when suffering happens, when we experience it, that in another way is a sacrifice that can be offered for others, that can be turned into a prayer. It says in Colossians 1.24, I rejoice in my sufferings for your sake, 
And in my flesh, I am filling up what is lacking in the afflictions of Christ on behalf of his body, which is the church. Now, often people find this as a challenging verse because this implies that there's something lacking in what Christ did on the cross. Now, is what Christ did on the cross completely sufficient to forgive our sins? Yes, absolutely. But what then could be lacking? What's lacking is our participation in Christ's suffering. We don't add anything to the suffering of Jesus Christ or its effectiveness in giving us salvation. But our participation in his suffering amplifies the amount of grace other people are able to experience as a result of our prayer, as a result of us offering up our sacrifice of suffering for their sake. And so suffering can be redemptive. This is if you wear a scapular, you know, the practice of the scapular in the Catholic Church. It's a sacramental that is worn that's usually made of wool and it can be large or small. But what it's meant to do is slightly agitate or irritate your skin. It's not meant to be some kind of adornment. It's meant to remind you every time you feel it to pray and to offer that small sacrifice up for an intention, for a purpose, for the church, whatever it may be. And so you may have heard in the past people wearing wool shirts or hair shirts. These things are very uncomfortable, but they were considered as a sort of sacramental that especially professed religious brothers and sisters would wear um, as a means of experiencing constant discomfort so that they can let go of their desire for comfort and every time they are reminded of their discomfort can offer that suffering for someone else. Now, there's a, there's a line here that we need to, to draw to make sure that we are not assaulting our own dignity as persons or um, assaulting our own body like in means of mortification in such a way that we are doing some kind of permanent damage or something that is detrimental to our dignity as created and dignified sons and daughters of God who created us in his image and likeness. Uh, and so you may, you, know, you may have images in your mind of people whipping themselves and things like that. And that's not something that the church would currently like recommend that we do. But there are other types of self-mortification, self-death that we can do in terms of things like fasting or giving certain things up, um, not allowing ourselves certain pleasures or certain comforts so that that time, that money, that effort can be offered for others. Your suffering can potentially be the prayer that makes healing possible or a miracle possible for someone else. And when you offer your suffering that way, you become like Christ. 2 Timothy 2.10 says, Therefore, I bear with everything for the sake of those who are chosen, so that they too may obtain the salvation that is in Christ Jesus, together with eternal glory. Paul is writing to Timothy here, and he's saying, I bear all of the suffering that I am I'm experiencing, for the sake of those who are chosen, so that they'll experience salvation. So what Paul is saying here by his example and his words is saying that we can offer our suffering for others so that they will experience salvation. We don't save them. Only Christ's sacrifice on the cross can do that. But our suffering can be offered as a prayer, just like we would pray, Oh Lord, please save this person. Help them to know you. Help them to convert to Christianity, to the faith. Help them to know your love, whatever it might be we can offer the sufferings we're experiencing in the same way. Lord, allow the suffering I'm experiencing to be offered as a prayer for this person's conversion. Just like you suffered for me on the cross, allow me when I experience suffering for that to be applied to the graces they receive to convert, to know your love. However, when we do this, we have to be conscious of the fact that we cannot complain. You know, when G.K. Chesterton was asked what the biggest problem is in Christianity, he said, it's Christians. And I wholeheartedly agree with that because I think one of the biggest problems in the church today is whiny, negative 
critical, divisive Christians. And yes, Christianity is something that we choose that sets us apart. And so there is a, a, a inherent division there. But I mean people who sow seeds of division because all they're spewing is negativity, criticism, cynicism, and they just complain and whine about everything. And, you know, anytime we do a big event here <clears throat> or, you know, we change the way that we're doing something at the parish, I inevitably will get emails from the same five people. It's always the same five people. It's probably less than five, but the same handful of people. And I know it's going to be them because they always see everything, no matter what it is, through a light of criticism, cynicism, and negativity. And that, to me, is not authentic Christianity. It's not. Philippians 2.17 says, Even I am poured out as a libation upon the sacrificial service of your faith. I rejoice and share my joy with all of you. So even as Paul is saying, like, I am poured out, my sufferings are poured out as an offering, a sacrificial offering in service of you and your faith. Even in the midst of that, I rejoice and I share my joy with you. I don't complain. I don't whine. I offer it joyfully. Second Corinthians displays this very, very well in different passages. Uh, this is from chapter 1 in verses 6 and 7. Paul is writing to the church in Corinth. He says, if we are afflicted, it is for your encouragement and salvation. If we are encouraged, it is for your encouragement, which enables you to endure the same sufferings that we suffer. Our hope for you is firm, for we know that as you share in the sufferings, you also share in the encouragement. There is something about this communal recognition of offering our sufferings and our sacrifices to one another and also sharing in solidarity with one another. Like, coming together with like-minded, faithful Christians and sharing your crosses, sharing your suffering so that you can be in solidarity with one another and encourage one another in hope and knowing that this suffering is, is purposeful. This is for something or for someone and it is temporary. And the inconvenience we experience by it is just a glimmer of the built-in and inherent hope we have for heaven. To be reminded of that every time we suffer. Second Corinthians, he continues in chapter 4, <clears throat> Paul starts in verse 8, he says, We are afflicted in every way, but not constrained. We're perplexed, but not driven to despair. Persecuted, but not abandoned. Struck down, but not destroyed. Always carrying about in the body the dying of Jesus, so that the life of Jesus may also be manifested in our body. For we who live are constantly being given up to death for the sake of Jesus, so that the life of Jesus may be manifested in our mortal flesh. So death is at work in us, but life in you. What we forget when we experience suffering is that every Good Friday leads to an Easter Sunday. And we can't have Resurrection Sunday without Good Friday. Suffering is part of the package. But when we offer our sufferings, it's not just, well, that was a nice Catholic thing to do, and I'm just going to keep wallowing in my misery. No, we need to orient our hearts to the joy of the resurrection and know that this is being offered so that other people will experience that joy. I will one day experience that joy because of Jesus dying for all of us on the cross, experiencing even more suffering than I am. And I am united to him and I have a Messiah, a Christ, who knows what it is like to suffer. And so when I am suffering, I am closer to him. He is close to me. He draws near and he understands. He can empathize with what I am going through. This is the beautiful thing about Christianity, brothers and sisters, one of the many beautiful things, is that if you think about other religions, other false pantheons of gods and goddesses, like think of the Roman and Greek gods, 
None of them cared about the sufferings of humanity. In fact, most of the time they caused the sufferings of humanity for their own selfish purposes and their desire for worship. To think of Zeus coming down and humbling himself and suffering willingly for humanity so that they will become like him, like gods, that would have completely dissolved this gap of power, completely would have removed this sense he had of being this like big, powerful, legendary figure. I mean, he's obviously not real, but like there's, there's not even any inkling of a story like that because it's just unheard of in the way that people um, understood what gods and goddesses, what they believed them to be like. But the real one true God showed us by becoming man and suffering for us that he is not like that and that he is unique. Every other story about a religious deity falls flat and is proven untrue because it's so different from the one true God. People will often try and make this claim that like, this is doesn't really have to do with this topic for this episode, but just to say this, often make this claim that like, oh, Christianity is just like one of one religion among many other very similar religions. And that is just so ridiculously untrue because if you look at the nature of Christianity, the stories of creation, how they all stem from love and beauty and not from like, violence or war like every other creation story in every other religious or ancient cultural tradition starts it starts with some kind of death it starts with some kind of you know violence or war uh, among the gods or the cosmological beings whatever it is christianity is unique and the same thing is true in the love that god has for us so much so that he would become man and suffer for us and leave us an example so that we do not lord our faith over others like the false gods of the world, but we suffer willingly for the sake of others, even if they persecute us, even if they belittle us in our faith. We offer that persecution and that belittling back for them to where our suffering becomes a weapon. Our, suffer, our suffering becomes a weapon of love. It becomes redemptive. It becomes the thing that someone may need in order for that healing or miracle to happen. And that is why Paul says toward the end of his letter, the uh, second letter of Corinthians in chapter 12, verse 15, he says, I will most gladly spend and be utterly spent for your sakes. I will most gladly spend and be utterly spent for your sakes. But do we willingly entertain the suffering that happens in our life? And instead of asking, why me? Why me? And, ask, and act as though we're entitled to some perfect life, Instead, recognize the desire for perfection I have is a desire for heaven. Heaven is not here yet, and so the suffering is purposeful. Who is it for and what is it for? So that I will enter heaven and let go of the earthly things that I'm complaining about, and so that others will enter heaven because I am offering the suffering for their sake. And so I don't know what your suffering is, whether it's physical, psychological, emotional, spiritual, but I do know that it is not without purpose. And so do not ask why me. But begin to ask, what is this for? Who is this for? And again, in the words of Fulton Sheen, do not waste your suffering. That is all I have for you. My brothers and sisters, God bless you. And until next time, I will see you in the Eucharist. Bye.